0: Each one of us has a fallen nature which involves fallen thoughts and fallen desires. So that's going to happen irrespective. But what you do with them is where the complicity comes in on our part. If you have a thought that goes against the Bible, you need to know the word well enough to own that thought and dismiss it. And that, my friends, is where spiritual growth happens because you should not believe everything you think. You should believe everything in the Bible and you should take the things that you think and weigh them against the Scriptures.
1: We really have little control over the thoughts that pop into our heads. These thoughts can be triggered by anything, and no matter how hard we try to shield ourselves from the enemy, he finds ways to get in. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds us that those thoughts aren't the sin. What we do with them is when sin takes hold. If we spend time in the Bible and know Jesus, well, we'll have a better ability to dismiss those enemy inspired thoughts. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study, The Greatest Commandment.
0: If you don't feel that God loves you, when you view the cross with the eyes of faith, do you realize that Jesus died because He loves you? Because would anybody die for someone they don't love? No. I mean, you'd be like, yeah, if one of us is going down, it's going to be you. But when you love somebody and you truly love someone, you'll lay down your life for them. So if you're not feeling God's love, you need to objectively, with the eyes of faith, look at the cross and you will understand that even though you don't feel it, God loves you. And then if you're subjectively feeling God's love, then you're fine because you feel God's love and it's easy then. But God wants us to return love to him because a real relationship is characterized by love. So God wants a loving relationship. Do you love God? Are you allowing yourself to experience God's love for you? That's something that's personal to you. It's something in your own walk and in your own life and the situations that you find yourself in, you have to say, Lord, I want to experience your love. One of my daily prayers, you can write this down, is Lord, enlarge my heart to receive more of your love and also to give it out. That's my death, Lord, enlarge my heart. Because I realize that through the course of life and the hurts and the things that go on, we have a tendency to constrict our hearts. We have a tendency to wanna put up some walls and wall areas off and I have to every day say, Lord, I want you to enlarge, I wanna experience more of your love. Your love that is infinite and incomprehensible as the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians. I want to experience more of it and I want to turn it back to the Lord and I want to give it out to as many people as I can. The Lord wants a loving relationship. And not just a a loving relationship in sentimentality, but God wants a loving relationship with the totality of who we are, with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our strength, and Jesus adds our mind. Each one of these areas speaks of the totality of a human being. The word heart Literally, in the Hebrew, it's the word for bowels, which is totally awkward. But the reason that's the word is because... We use the word heart, Not it is the blood pumping organ in the left center of your chest, that's where it's supposed to be, but the heart is meant to be the control center of your life. And so in the Hebrew culture and in those Near Eastern cultures, they called it the bowels, it means the deep parts of who you are, right? So the heart is not talking about the blood pumping organ, it's talking about the control center of your life where your feelings and your will and the spirit of God and your emotions and the needs of the body come together and decisions are made. Right? So God wants complete and total love in the control center. Our heart, our soul speaks of things like our emotions and our will. Right? With our mind, obviously, it's our mental faculties, our thought life. Now, can I stop for a second on the thought life? The Bible says that we need to cast down every argument that exalts itself against the obedience of Christ. Sometimes, we need to say, God, my thoughts are just flat out heretical. I don't know about you, and sometimes I think I'm a little bit odd, and you guys know that I am a lot odd, (laughs) but if you spend time seeking to understand your thought life, I kind of find that in my own brain, and I've talked to a lot of people, I just want to make sure I'm just not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but in a lot of people's minds, there's a number of things going on. It's almost like your brain is like, A talk show for politics with both sides represented. Do you ever watch one of those? What do they do with one another? They yell at each other. They argue. And normally, the person who yells the loudest, the longest gets heard. But what's amazing is that the voices, and I'm not talking about having multiple voices, but it's like all the internal dialogue that you have. Do you ever notice that the one that's the loudest is always the one that's the most bonkers? Because God speaks in a still, small voice. In the midst of, be very angry, be very upset, there's like, well, you can love and forgive too. But they're not yelling. They're not screaming. They're not vying. It's a still, small voice. And listen, you can't control the thoughts that you think, but you do have control of what you do with those thoughts. See, each one of us has a fallen nature which involves fallen thoughts and fallen desires. So that's going to happen irrespective. But what you do with them is where the complicity comes in on our part. If you have a thought that goes against the Bible, you need to know the word well enough to own that thought and dismiss it. And that, my friends, is where spiritual growth happens because you should not believe everything you think. You should believe everything in the Bible and you should take the things that you think and weigh them against the scriptures. Then you might say, okay, that sounds hard. It is hard, but it is also fruitful. Because for most people, they think something, they buy into it, and they act out of it. I heard it said this way, what the will desires the mind justifies, and the actions will follow. It's pretty powerful. What the will desires, the mind will justify, and the actions will follow. And so the idea is that all of these things, when we orient them to the love of God, the totality of our lives, our strengths because of our physical facilities, what we do with our bodies, how we walk and move through this world, the things that we allow our bodies, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit to be involved in. When we orient all those things to the love of God, now you have a brand new way to be human. Because the totality of your life is oriented to experience God's love and return it to the Lord and to give it out into the world. And that, my friends, is the perfect picture of the Christian life the perfect picture of it a life consumed with the love of God some of you are saying that sounds so good and I'm here to tell you that's blood bought for us at the cross of Calvary by Jesus and it is applied to us by the Holy Spirit but we do have a part to play in it because listen I've been a Christian long enough to know that I love Jesus and I know that I'm saved and I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit but sometimes I just think stupid stuff and sometimes when I think stupid stuff, I can dwell on that for a long time and come up with whole sorts of stupid ideas. And I just assume I'm just like everybody else. But then in the midst of all that stupidity, and I can call it because I'm talking about myself, i not talking about you. You can call it some other nicer word. I just call it being dumb. In the midst of all that stupidity, all of a sudden God's word starts to speak and it's like, oh, no, 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 I'm missing the point. I'm forgetting the things that I know. I'm forgetting what Jesus said. I'm forgetting what the cross means. So we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and our minds. Now look at what it says next. And this is powerful because now it says, and the words verse 6, which I command you today shall be in your what? In your heart. Why in your heart? Because your heart's the control center of your life. Now listen, this is big. We need to make sure we get God's word from our brains into our hearts. And I like to say sometimes that's an endless 18-inch journey. It's like the 18 inches that you just can't get there no matter how hard you try. Why? Because we have a tendency to be really, really mental people. And when God's word stays in our mind and doesn't make it to our heart, we have the right ideas, but God wants to transform our heart. How many of you ever met somebody who knows the Bible, but they don't love anybody except themselves? That's an adventure in missing the point. I'm not saying we should be illogical and not use our minds. I'm saying we just need to say, Lord, I need you to get your word from my brain into my heart. I need you to help it make that journey that it's not just thoughts that I think, but it becomes the whole way that my life is oriented. And I think for some of you, you just need to simply write that prayer down, Lord, get your word from my head to my heart. And then I always extend it from my heart to my hands and to my feet, to my mouth, because we want our whole lives permeated by this, like cloth sitting in dye that comes out a different color. We want all of our lives to be biblined, so to speak. That everything about our lives screams that Jesus is real. And that God's grace is real and that the spirit of God is at work. But it's really easy to keep the word in our heads. Now, some of us are very cerebral, you know, and I think that that's a blessing and a curse. Because I feel like I'm in that camp where it's like my brain's like, it runs a lot. and There's a lot of stuff in there. So if that's you, we have to figure out how to let it work in the spirit and not in the flesh. That's the key. For those of you who will find yourself to be really, really intellectually driven and cerebral. And I'm in that category, I, well, I hope. I read a lot, and so I'm always like, Lord, how do I get this stuff down so that it transforms me? Because God isn't interested in all my grand thoughts, necessarily. He's interested in my heart that is consumed with his love. And so we need to ask it to make that journey. And the Shema prayer points us right down to it. Let these words that I command you today in your heart. Now, when it's in your heart, then it starts to play out in the rest of life. And I love this, because look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, I think this is fascinating, because what you have is you have Israel here, the Lord your God, he's one God, unique, completely Completely individual. There's only one God, right? And I want you to, and you gotta love God with the totality of who you are, right? And we got to make sure this word gets in your heart. Now I want you to teach them to your kids. Why? Because the family was God's plan from the beginning to be the primary discipling unit. Parents were meant to disciple their kids into the things of God. Now, what's amazing is you got to love the way the world works because people always say, oh, you know, I get this all the time. You can't raise your kids to be a religion. That's brainwashing. I'm like, listen, parenting is brainwashing. Education is brainwashing. You're telling them that 1 plus 1 equals 2, that 2 plus 2 equals 4, that the world is round and not flat, that E equals MC squared, whatever that actually means that I don't know. All of education is brainwashing. And the people who say, you can't teach your kids to follow Jesus because that's brainwashing, they're trying to brainwash your kids the way they want them to be, which is not to follow Jesus because they don't follow Jesus. And so when someone says, you know, you can't raise your kids to be Christians, I'm like, yes, I can. Who are you to tell me that I can't? Well, you want me to brainwash my kids your way. They're not your kids. They're mine. God loved my kids by putting them in my family. And listen, if you're here a parent, you need to talk about the Lord with your kids. Listen, because many people have grown up in Christian homes, right? And they want to run from Jesus because their parents either had legalistic Jesus or they talked about Jesus, but they didn't actually follow Jesus. And there's nothing more off-putting than hypocrisy when you're a kid. So talk to your kids about Jesus and Invite them into your journey as a sinner saved by grace. We want our kids to see a genuinely beautiful version of Christianity. Not some legalistic, mean-spirited, the reason you got to go to bed early is because Jesus wants you to go to sleep. <laughs> kind of Christianity. Because that stuff goes on, right? That stuff goes on. We're not discipling our kids into the love of God, we're discipling them into rules and regulations. You know, and what happens within the, the Christian church is there's such a steepness now on moralism that your kids have to be perfect and this thing and that thing and they can quote the King James Bible verses from prophets and stuff that the kids feel like they can't be kids anymore. And all of it's a lie. of the And don't get me wrong, you want to teach your kids to, to memorize scripture. But man, I want my kids... To love God. I want my kids not to know the God who's going to judge them when they do, but I want them to know the God who rejoices over them with loud singing. I want them to know that Jesus loved them so much that he died on a cross for them. And the reason he died on a cross is because they make mistakes. And so does mom and dad. We need to talk with our kids about the Lord. And that's something that we make a commitment to. I know one of the things that we do in our house is we just talk about the Lord all the time. It's like, yeah, we read our kids the Bible and we pray with them and all the time, but not just some, like, it's like, we just like on the way to school, I tell people all the time, we we do the armor of God on the way to school. So fun this week. I brought Annabelle with me because Lynn is at women's ministry on Tuesday morning. So we do the armor of God. We have really fun with it. And now, because of some of the encouragement of some folks here, we've new parts of the armor of God. You know what I mean? So you, we, we put the helmet of and they go salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and put your belt of truth. And then we have the cup of protection. You know, that's not in the Bible, <laughs> you know, but it gets some legs in my home. You can put on the trousers of joy. That's not in the Bible either. You know, we put on the jetpack of praise. Another one of Obadiah's buddies came up with that one. You know, and then we put our feet shod with the gospel of peace. And we have the shield of faith. we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? And we do that. And it's so funny because now Annabelle's in the car. And Annabelle's too. And I'm like, Maranatha, because Maranatha's in the backseat. And I'm like, put the armor on Annabelle. It's a little Annabelle. And Maranatha's like, Annabelle, put on the helmet of it. And Annabelle goes, nah, 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 you know. <laughs> you know, and we do this as a family. And then we pray as a family. And I'm like, listen, you guys are going to school. I'm going to work. Mommy's at work. we need to get armored up for the day. And we talk about what that stuff means. And I tell my kids, I say, listen, you're a servant of the Lord today. So God's going to give you opportunities to either be selfish or be a servant. I want you to be a servant today. And we'll talk about it after school. And I said, what did God do? And i like, well, you know, so-and-so was on the playground and this thing happened. And it was kind of my fault. So I apologize. I'm like, good. You know, but I want it to be real. I don't want it to be divorced from every day. And we get that from the way God designed the people, the children of Israel. He's like, listen, you take these things, and I want you to teach them diligently to your children. That's not kind of teach it to them, like be focused on teaching them. Drill it down into their hearts and their minds. And I love this, because it says, and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Now, that is, All the time. That's what it's getting at. It's not like, well, listen, only talk to him when you're lying down or when you're waking up or when you're walking or when you're sitting. No, no. It's like, it means the totality of your life. Use everything as an example to teach your kids about Jesus. And the reason is, is that the statistics on kids who come to know Jesus younger as compared to older, are it's radical. And I'm here to tell you, as somebody who didn't know Jesus growing up, who made all the mistakes that someone who doesn't know Jesus makes, I'm so grateful that my kids get to hear about the Lord. And I tell them, I'm like, listen, dad made all sorts of mistakes. And I'm like, look, it's your own life. But my hope is that you'll never make the mistakes that I made. And they're like, you know, just the other day, oh, but I was like, dad, I think it's so cool that like you tell us about the Lord. and I go to school and they talk to us about Jesus because their kids are here at Cornerstone. And, and my friends, they love Jesus. And I'm like, well, listen, as you get older, buddy, because you've been surrounded by this, you're gonna have to make the faith your own. That's gonna be your journey you've been around this your whole life. And there's going to be a time, because it happens to everybody, when you're going to decide you don't want to be like your dad and your mom. And you're going to want to rebel against that. I'm like, but just remember that Jesus is real and he loves you. That's all I want you to remember. And I'm like, and God will take care of you in the midst of all those things. He's like, oh, I'm never going to rebel. I'm like, can I get a video of that? I bought my phone. I'm just like, say that again, you know. I tagged that one. I'm going to roll that thing out, you know. But listen, if you're a parent, teach your kids the word. Teach them about the Lord. If you're a grandparent, man, you grandparents, you got the golden ticket. Because you can give them a ton of sugar and candy and get them all wild up and teach them about Jesus and then give them back to your kids. It's like, it's cool. All the grandparents are like, yeah, you know. It's like, if you're an aunt or an uncle, teach them, teach them. You know, somebody always says, well, what do you do with somebody who doesn't want you to teach their kids about the Lord? And I say, well, I always tell people the same thing because I have family members like that. I'm like, look, they're going to get Jesus either way when they're with me. And I'm like, look, if you're going to let me hang out with them, this is who I am. And I'm like, so I'm going to pray before meals. I'm going to talk to them about what I do for a living and all this stuff. And I'm like, so like, I am who I am. I can't turn this stuff off. It's a great opportunity. And I, one of the things I love, Crossroads Kids, our family ministries here is just unreal love our family ministries here these men and women are so passionate about seeing kids know the lord walk with the lord i love coming home on sunday see my kids what'd you learn on kids church they start rattling off bible verses they'll tell me the whole story well, what does it mean for your life well it means this 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 and this i'm like nice my dad'll preach because i always say to him "To like yeah you're gonna use it in a sermon i'm like absolutely man that's solid bible stuff so we need to teach it to our kids always and then Verse 8 and 9, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, this is interesting because the idea of this is not only should we teach the word to our kids, but we should always have the word of God before us. It should be on our hands. It should always be before our eyes. It should be on the doorpost of our house. And it should be on our gates, which means the totality of our lives should be founded on God's word. But what happened for the Jewish people is that they took this literally and they designed things like what we know as phylacteries in the Greek or tefillin in Hebrew, where they actually took a scroll and they put it in a little box and they tied it on their hands. They have one for their head, right? And then they have another thing called a mezuzah, which is a little box that they put on the doorpost of their house and on their gates, which has a scroll that has the great Shema in it. And the idea is, well, it says that we should take this word and we should put it on our hands and before our eyes and on our doorposts and on our gates. And so we're doing that. And it became a whole big thing where Jesus actually is getting at the Pharisees about that stuff. And so really what happens is sometimes we have a tendency to over-literalize what God is getting at. We get the word right, but we get God's heart wrong. Like I always tell people, because people say, well, you know, I really want to get a tattoo of the cross. I'm like, well, it's a lot easier to get a tattoo of the cross than to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus every day. And it's a lot easier to take a little Bible verse and put it in a little box and put it on a bracelet or on a bandana or put it on a little plaque on your wall than it is to actually live out the Christian life. Now, I don't think those things are wrong, and I'm not necessarily knocking it. But what I am saying is we don't want to miss the point. How many of you have like a Bible verse on a frame, but you actually never actually live out that Bible verse? Like, I love the "As for me in my house will serve the Lord, right? Like, I always tell them, I'm like, I don't want to put that up because we really need to live that thing out, <laughs> you know? But like, we really, I'm just kidding. But like, you can put the sign up and not serve the Lord for you in your house. You put the sign up and it's just all about you. And so it's a lot easier to put the picture up than it is to actually live this stuff out. It's a lot easier to take a Bible verse and stick it in a box on your hand or on your head or put it on your door as a mezuzah than it is actually to live this stuff out. And what I think is interesting is, and I'll close with this, we live in a day and age where the church, especially in America, has a desire to start doing this stuff all over again. Where they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like it says this, so we're it's like, no, no. It doesn't mean that. And the reason i know it doesn't mean that is read jesus as he spoke to the pharisees the pharisees were religious to the core and completely missed the heart of god and sometimes if we're not careful we can be religious to the core and completely miss the heart of god
1: Jesus is The things that are important to our Creator are the things that need to be important to us. Pastor Daniel reminded us today that we need to know God, know His Word, and then share it with those around us. It's our job to teach our future generations who God is. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ.
0: One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.
1: Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel shares a warning that the people of Israel needed to heed. This warning holds true for us today. We need to remember our God, the promises he has kept and the promises he intends to fulfill. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Refresh. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.